Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Dude. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, dude. Here we are, dude. We're podcasting uh, over a river of grief that we've received from our fans and uh, people who listen on accident. Right. Um, and people who don't like us on iTunes. We're we're at it again. We're at it again, dude. Once Sorry a month. it's taken so long. No, yeah. we, we're going to get better. We're, we're, we're going to get better at this, dude. Unfortunately, you know, uh, life has has intervened for both of us, but we are committed, just as the Sharks are committed winning four out of five. Four out of five, dude. We are also committed to winning four out of five. Yep. We will have a plus podcast differential moving forward on the season. Right, dude? I commit to it. Dude. Yes, me too. Me too. Luckily, the f- we, we are recording now as opposed to a week ago. Right. Because then we would have been much more down on the sharks who are getting crushed at every turn. Yes. Miserable, on, miserable on road, road trip. trip. Just, miserable. Yeah. Terrible. But now the sharks have bounced back. Yes. They have, they're back to second in the Pacific mm-hmm. and they have 37 points. They're doing okay. They have a plus goal differential overall, dude. Yes. And still not even close to playing as well as they should be. Right. Which is, uh, you know, concerning, but also, uh, I was having this conversation with someone uh, last week that, you know, it's like, oh, the Sharks, you know, going on the same speech that I feel like happens every year. Yep. And I said, you know, I don't want them to be awesome right now. I want them to be awesome in April. And I think that people forget how many new faces there are on this team or people who um, have been part of this team that haven't been playing. Like, I mean, this team essentially has not had Joe Thornton or Tomas Hurdle, or Evander Kane, or Eric Carlson, now Shimmick, um, and and some of the fourth line guys, they haven't really been playing together as a team mm-hmm. for that long. Right. Some of these guys have been around, but they just haven't all been on the ice at the same time. And it takes time to figure that out. Even someone like Timo Meyer, who is, you know, now evolved into this, you know, legitimate powerhouse, powerhouse you know, with I think he's got 16 goals now. I mean, yep. the 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 guy see, appears to be a lock for uh, thirty plus goals, which I don't think any of us expected that. No, at the beginning of the year, you know, he's tied for the the team lead in scoring, and you know, there's a lot of other good things that are happening. Joe Pavelski can smell a new contract. Apparently, I mean, the guy <laughs> is just not even passing the puck to anybody. No. I mean, he's just you know, it's funny. You look at his stats: twenty goals, seven assists, which is very uh, unlike yeah. him. Actually, he <laughs> but, scores more sometimes than he assists, but usually you don't see that. He's much scoring a lot from those dirty areas. Yeah. These goals uh, where he's just classic Pavelski in the right place, right time, and also. Um, you know, on a lot of deflections and he's doing great. You know, uh, there are a lot of players on this team that are doing well. I think Eric Carlson has finally started to show, you know, why he is considered to be one of the best you know, defensemen in the NHL. He's not going to have 70 points on this team. Like it's not going to happen. Like that's mm-hmm. Brent Burns's role. Yeah. Right. That's his move. Um, I think that, 
he is playing a slightly different role, but he's still an elite player. And now I think is projected to be in the mid fifties in terms of points, which would still make him like a top 15 scoring defenseman in the NHL, which is not bad, everybody. So, right. you know, um, there are there are good things. The Sharks have the number nine power play. They have the number three penalty kill, right? Yeah, that's good. Uh, special teams are good. Um, so definitely there are positives. There are positives, dude. And uh, lately, playing well. Lately playing well, dude, but it should be said that None of these teams are exactly at the top of the standings. Montreal, Carolina, Arizona, New Jersey. Sure. Uh, I don't know if any one of those teams is in the, the top half of their division. Right. I think New Jersey's dead last. Arizona is not dead last only because the Kings insist on being worse. Right. Um, and Carolina, I think middle of the pack and Montreal, not good either. So Yeah, the only one of those teams that is a playoff team is... Carolina, As of today man. is is Dallas. I mean, they're and Montreal. Well, funny enough, dude, Montreal well, actually is in the second seed, right? And we lost to Dallas. I was sort of looking at the list of teams that we've played recently. Yeah, the Sharks have played the third easiest schedule in the NHL, so it is a little bit concerning. Yeah, that they haven't been able to take more advantage of that. But uh, I think it goes back to this team has not been healthy and playing together on a regular basis. They're really only you know what you know, 30 games in 32 games in, um, and still haven't, you know, been together with hurdles injuries and, uh, and Joe Thornton's missing games, Meyer missing a few games that, you know, they still haven't played all together in their correct roles for that long. And, so, and the good news is, is they're really, you look at the rest of the year, there's really only one really good team that the Sharks are playing the rest of the whole year. Well, Calgary, they're playing on New Year's Eve. Right. but And they're playing Winnipeg. But every other game they're playing the rest of the year are teams that aren't great. Dallas, again, as we said, a playoff team at this point. Chicago, terrible. Minnesota, Mwah. not good. LA, terrible. Arizona, terrible. Anaheim below us. Edmonton below us. Um, you know, it's not It's not like we're, we're playing Tampa Bay 10 times. Sure, yeah. We're, we're playing them on the 5th of January. Though. Yes, uh, th there are very winnable games on their schedule and um, hopefully they're going to be able to take more advantage of that as these next few weeks move on and closing out 2018 in the same position that they're in or higher. You know, you look at some of the negatives, right, dude? I mean, the things that have been concerning are their inability to take advantage of a weak schedule. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, dude, I think is really the player where people are focusing more on Carlson it's Vlasic that's the concern. Mm -hmm. I mean, his um, lack of effectiveness is noticeable, and it's uh, reflected in his plus-minus, and it's also reflected in his coursey, dude. Yeah, it's not looking good. You usually, when you see Mark Edward Vlasic, you don't usually see him at the top because he draws such a a tough defensive assignment in general, right? But this season, it's. Um, you know, it's just not looking good. I don't know if he's slowed down, if the defenseman, defensive assignment has gotten tougher. It's harder to find uh, quality of competition numbers these days. Um, you look at like a luck stat, like PDO. We talked about that, I think, a few weeks back when it comes to Eric Carlson. He's not lucky, but he's not as unlucky as some other guys. Um, so, yeah, it's he's definitely looks like he has, uh, 
he has slid a little bit and i guess he's a little salty about it i think he was supposed to talk to the media at one point he just blew it off and right you know he's not having a good year and i think you know we were you know sort of wondering out loud is he hurt like what's going on you know because uh this is uh, a big investment for the Sharks financially mm-hmm. and a, an important part of their roster. And to see him struggle, uh, I don't see how his role has really changed. I don't think you can attribute it to Eric Carlson being here, like going, oh, well, he's playing um, in a different situation or right. not um, able to adjust to the presence of this new player. He's back with Justin Braun. They've been back together for, for several weeks. And, you know, what... What is the issue here? Uh, and I know we don't have the answer. It's just an unanswered question. And maybe one of the bigger ones that speaks to the Sharks' overall defensive issues. Right. And they finally stopped letting in goals in bunches recently, which is why they won a bunch of those games. If You, you know, I'm not exactly uh, Toe Blake here, but, uh, you know, I, I think I can confidently say if you give up five or six goals a game, you're not going to win a lot of games. And that's what the Sharks were doing on the road right. trip. Right, right. Oh, well, the Sharks are not good on the road. You know, I mean, they, they have been a minus 0.71 goal differential on the road. Oy. So they're not just losing games on the road. They're getting housed. Yeah. So as a road team, not good. I mean, they've got to fix that. Um, and they've, they've got kind of worked. I mean, the, I think maybe the worst one was Ottawa when they just went to Ottawa and they just got completely pantsed. Like yeah. it was really discouraging because they're terrible. And... You know, seeing Dylan DeMello and Chris Tierney having a great time mm, yeah. at the Sharks' expense, you know, when they aren't talking about their coach in a cab. Right. Uh, they are uh, enjoying tearing the uh, the Sharks apart. You know, the Sharks, not a good road team and also just not good defensively this year. How much you pin on Vlasic, I don't know. How much you pin on Carlson and Burns taking risks uh, on, you know, the other side of the ice and leaving the sharks exposed to to two on ones you know their goals allowed is up to three from 2.76 last year and that's troubling and i think what makes it even more troubling dude is they're they're only allowing 29.6 shots a game which is one of the best in the nhl right but their save percentage is 897 right so jones and dell aren't consistently making big saves but I know from watching the games, the Sharks are giving up so many two-on-ones and, and you know breakaways. It's difficult for yeah. them to be put in a position to be successful. Right, and when you look at some of some of the goalie stats, right, it's it's bad. You know, nine hundred, nine hundred one, um, just not. It's you know well below league average in terms of both goalies. And you wish you had better stats like you know shot quality and things like that. Because yeah, it's like no goalie is going to be throwing up a 950 save percentage if they if you give up seven two-on-ones every game right well i think like there was a goal that jones allowed in the new jersey game where it was this drew stafford off angle shot almost from the corner it's a terrible shot it wasn't even a real shot i think he was mm-hmm. just throwing it at the net right it went in like it went in over jones's shoulder and like that's the kind of stuff like that can't happen like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that if it happens a couple times, like that's okay, but I feel like that's happened a lot. Right. And then also, um, the odd man rushes. It's uh, if you were Dell and Jones, you've got to be frustrated by that because it seems like it happens more than it does for the Sharks in terms of opportunities per game. Yeah. Yeah. 
but there are there are like you said there's there's lots of pluses but there's there's minuses too and and this is a team that if you count overtime losses or shootout losses or whatever the extra extra column is they're still a 500 team they're 16, sure. 16 11 and 5 right and they're not functioning anywhere close to at their peak ability so um i'm still not concerned i think i'm the biggest concern that i have is monitoring the progress of mark edward vlasic like mm-hmm. you know we've seen some young players you know we've mentioned meyer you know i think lebank has you know sort of found a nice role as a, a playmaking forward um, you know, Simic has stepped in for Yoakam Ryan and has been really good in a very limited sample size. I like his physicality for someone who's not very big. Scored the other night, mm-hmm. like that's encouraging. Um, so there are some some good things, but you know, we're not even halfway through the season, right? So yeah, yeah. the Sharks have not reached their peak. We do not know what the and result is here for them because I don't think they even know where this is going. And I got to tell you, it's a little weird seeing Joe Thornton so far down on the on the roster in terms of scoring. Admittedly, he hasn't played all the games, but still, he's uh, at a barely half a point per game pace, which is far below sure. his career average. So it's it's weird to see him kind of disappear sometimes, which is which has happened. Yeah, I didn't even notice him in the game uh, the other night. And, uh, but maybe it's just cause he didn't have the beard anymore, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's not, and he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be the focal point of this team's offense. They have younger, better players. He is not the best player on this team anymore. He might be the most historic player on this team, yeah. but he's not the best player on this team anymore. He's not even one of the top six best forwards on this team anymore. And that's appropriate. Like, that's appropriate. I'm glad that he's not centering the top line, which I think was the original plan. Mm -hmm. He's not up for it. Like, he should be playing third-line minutes, which is what they're doing. So, um, Joe Thornton might end up with 35 points this year, right? Yeah, that'd that'd be weird. weird. But for a 39-year-old player, that's appropriate, right? And you'll probably see him, as the season goes along, I would fully expect that he's not going to play back-to-backs, you know, as we start getting into March and April. Like, he won't be doing that, right? I see you're pulling up a comparison here to the final years of Adam Oates. Well, Adam Oates did pretty well. Dang. Oh, my God. Adam Oates had uh, 64 assists as a 39-year-old. That's pretty dang good. <laughs> 14, he had 78 points at 39. He had 68 points at, uh, yeah, sorry, that's combined. And then uh, 40, he had 45 points at 40. So he's sort of one year yeah. earlier than Adam Oates. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that you have to take into account here is that Joe is playing on two majorly surgically repaired knees. Right. So I don't remember Adam Oates' injury history, but I don't believe that he was dealing with that those kinds of lower body injuries uh, at that point. You know, so... Um, that's a factor. I mean, that's already for a player not known for his speed. Like he is not as mobile as he used to be, but he's still got that amazing vision and he's able to make that third line more dangerous than they would be with anybody else on it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that won't pay and isn't necessarily going to pay off now. I think that kind of depth will pay off as we start to get into the playoffs. If you've got Joe playing in your bottom six, mm-hmm. like that's, I think, 
pretty valuable. Yeah, it could be because he could get hot and, and, you know, his vision can really pick apart defenses at certain points of the game and yeah. you just never know right what's going to happen. Dude, what else do we have here? Other high and low low lights here on this team? I mean, we haven't talked about Jonas Donskoy. He's unfortunately seemed to have faded back into the woodwork. Um, Suomela definitely looked great in the first week or two and not so much. He's not even playing anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, they've re- replaced him with the Lucas Radil, who has been fine. I mean, in his, he scored his first goal, the game winning goal against uh, Arizona. Um, they're still trying to figure out uh, what that fourth line looks like. Like, who's playing on that line? Who's the third guy to play on that line? Is it Radil? Is it Suomela? Is it, uh, you know, somebody who's not on the team right now? Are they going to have to make a move? Uh, when it gets to the deadline to add a fourth line player. I mean, they certainly had the chance to keep an Eric Fair and they chose not to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, will Sue Amella get another chance? Uh, I feel like it's, I, I think it's a little, he's really struggled in the faceoff dot. I mean, 44% for a center is pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think he has gotten a, a total fair shake. Uh, he, I would like to have seen him play a little bit more before he was just uh, banished. I mean, the Sharks in the faceoff circle are pretty bad this year, 49.9%. Used to be a real strength of this team. Now it's a weakness. Uh, 50% probably is league average by definition, dude. Someone's got to win. Or mm. Someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose, right? Every um, faceoff. I stand correct. So that's kind of the the, the middle. It's We're used to seeing the Sharks being yeah. 55%. Sure. But they just aren't this year, and and Dude, but, you know Pavelski's good, Hurdle's good, yeah. Couture still well under fifty percent. It's always been that way. I know it's been the case. Dude, we got a question here from Leonard. Okay. Leonard actually sent us a couple questions. Leonard says, "Dudes, great show. We'll just stop right there." Okay, uh, I've Thanks been listening for years now and thoroughly enjoy the show, especially Doug. I I included that. You included that? Yeah, no. Okay, good. He, he didn't write that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but he was thinking it. Uh, here are a couple of questions to ponder. Thornton versus Marlowe. Did we make the right choice? Marlowe continues to be one of the game's most durable players. His production is steady. His price tags of three years of continuous service appear to be way more attractive than what we've paid Joe for two years and just a handful of games. So, knowing what you know now, right? Hard to project that, but would you like to have a do-over and and keep Marlowe over Jumbo? Man, that's a tough question, actually. And you know, I'm I'm someone that while they were both on the team, vastly preferred Jumbo as a player. But it, it's it's hard to make that call now, right? He's got eight goals, eighteen points, played all thirty-one games. You're right; he is extremely durable. And maybe in retrospect, that was not the right call. I don't know. I mean, that is really difficult, dude. I mean, I have, I'm such in the tank for, for Jumbo. It's hard for me to, to even now, knowing what I know, knowing you know two major knee injuries later that we should have ditched him and, and held on to Patrick Marlowe. God, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can actually go that far. I don't yeah. know if I can. On the ice, I think Leonard... It's hard to make an argument for Joe because Marlowe has actually played a full season and a third, right? Mm-hmm. And been productive. 
Uh, I think Joe was kept not only for what they hoped he would do on ice, but that he is still the, you know, flavor of the month in the, in the locker room. Like the guy yeah. is still, he still controls this whole team. Like his personality is the biggest one around and he's the one picking up people at the airport. He's the, you know, the center of all of that, even though he's not the, you know, best player on the team anymore. And Marlowe never was that player um, or that personality. So um, hard to make an argument for Joe because of the on ice production. But I think Joe was more than that. It was uh, what you got off ice too. And the other thing to mention is that Marlowe, at least at this point, is on a, a better team and he's playing with better players. Are, is Tor- I mean, is Toronto is a better team statistically, but are they better? Than the Sharks in a seven-game series, I don't know that I'm willing to say that. I mean, they got six more points at this sure. point. Sure, yeah. Mean, I mean, they are offensively scary. They're better in almost every metric, I think. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I I'm not impressed by their defensive core. If Ron Hainsey is pay, playing, you know, significant minutes for you. That's a problem. But Marlowe isn't being isn't being judged on how well Ron Hainsey is playing. No, I'm saying, but I'm saying that are they a better team? Yeah, maybe statistically, but will that be a better team in the end? I don't know. I don't know that I would want to pick them over the Sharks. I mean, this isn't a health argument. It's certainly the case that Patrick Marlowe would have played more games than Joe Thornton. Sure, yes. But if you look at, at offensive produ- production, I think if you put Joe Thornton with Austin Matthews, Joe Thornton's going to put up a few more points too. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. Um, this is true. Austin Matthews may be the second best player in the NHL. All right. Second question from Leonard. Sharks appear slow. Defense and goaltending is spotty. Curious if a coaching change to Coach Q is ava- is possible. Everybody loves Coach Q. It was funny. It's like every every fan of every team, once Joel Quenville got fired, is like, maybe they'll bring him in. Like, my friend is a Flyers fan. Maybe he'll come to the well, Flyers. Well, don't you remember that he, like, was here interviewing for the Sharks job? Like, wow, that was a long I mean, time ago. That was a long time ago, but there were reports that he was in town interviewing for that job mm-hmm. before he ended up in Chicago when he got, you know, fired by St. Louis, right? So, or was it, or Colorado? I can't remember. It was one of the two, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, do you think the Sharks, given their 500 performance, are contemplating a head coaching change? That seems pretty unlikely. I, well, also, I'm speaking after the Sharks have won four or five. If if they went on that terrible road trip and then they lost another four out of five, I think everybody's seat gets a little bit warm when the team loses nine out of ten or whatever. Right. Um, you know, especially with the personnel you got. If you're Arizona and you lose nine out of ten, it's like okay, right? They're two games worse than I expected. I think that the Sharks would never fire DeBoer and then promote like Steve Spot to like the top right. of the bench. Sure. Um, for the rest of the year, that would never be the move. I think that they would, they could do a move that you're suggesting, Leonard, which is, you know, if there is a better coach available that is a veteran coach that you think can get you you know they wouldn't do what the blues did which was fire yo and promote baruby right right you know 
um, they would do what the Oilers did, which is fire McClellan and bring in one of the most historic coaches in NHL history and Ken Hitchcock. And has that worked for Edmonton? Yeah, it has. Yeah, it, it has. has actually. You know, um, is it a temporary fix? Maybe. Is Hitchcock the long-term solution there? No. I doubt it. You know, you never but know. Could it make them a playoff team this year? Maybe. It could. They certainly have completely changed how they're playing. They're way more defensively responsible. Mm-hmm. So um, that in short results has been good. But I would say odds are very slim that DeBoer is going to be gone this year. or Because I think the Sharks are going to you know emerge soon. As an upper level team, it was interesting that that uh, that DeBoer shuffled around the coaches. That's something worth talking sure. about. Sure, I yeah. mean he uh, pulled a guy down from the booth and banished uh, Rob Zettler. No, who, yeah, Rob Zettler. Yeah, banished Rob Zettler. Or is, yeah, or Steve. One of them went up to the booth. spots. Spot has a different assignment, and right. then Zettler's up to the booth, and they show. You know, I don't know. They all put each other's pants on. I don't know how this works. <laughs> right, but. But they changed the assignments, which is maybe something that, ha- you know, Kerr said something maybe that happens, but you don't usually hear about it when it does. I mean, this time we heard about it. I don't know. I mean, it seems like that was a reaction to the defensive woes, as we talked about earlier, right? Well, they need to try and do something to fix it. I think that I think that's a good idea. You've got to try and fix it. Um, is Bob Bugner's absence the reason why the Sharks have regressed defensively? I don't know. It's possible. Maybe, it's possible. You know, so they do need to make an effort to try and and improve in that area because it's their glaring weakness. Uh, last part of the question here from Leonard. What is up with Ottawa always having top D men and uh, letting them go? <laughs> you know, um, or actually that's not the question. Sorry. What? It, how would they develop these guys? So they've had Chara Carlson and uh, whoever the new guy is. Chabot? Yeah. Or Chabot. Like, is that a coincidence, he says? I think it's a coincidence. I mean, this guy, I, I don't is even... Is it? I mean, the Sharks have always developed or were known for really developing top goalies. I mean, you look at their run of Toscala and Kipper and Nabokov, um, Chris Terreri. Just kidding. Um, Chris yeah, Terreri. quality, but Mike not Ver- developed. Mike right? Vernon. Mike Shields. Uh, Steve Shields. Steve Shields. Mike Shields. Mike, right. Mike, Mike Vernon. Mike Vernon. Uh, dude, um, you know, the Sharks maybe drafted, identified that kind of talent and were mm-hmm. able to development. Maybe Ottawa was able to do the same. Yeah, this guy was a first-round pick. He was 18th overall um, in 2015. So, yeah, it could be that Ottawa's got the right guys to identify these young defensive guys. And and certainly it seems like that's uh, that's tough to draft for. It's hard to predict how sure. defensemen are going to do in the league. So this sure. guy is... Came out of nowhere. Nowhere. He's got 33 points already. Eight goals as a defenseman. He's 22. That's pretty good. Way to go, man. That's pretty good. We're proud of you. <laughs> we are? Dude, Sharks have a revenge game coming up against Dallas. Yep. Don't you think they want to beat the Dallas Stars? They've of lost to them twice. Of course. Uh, I think the Sharks will be pretty focused. I look at them to come out and uh, beat the Stars. Yeah, they've been home all tomorrow week. night. They've been home all week. They have two or two days off. Played Monday, then they play Thursday. I, you know, Dallas is Dallas ain't bad. They're not bad. And no, they're not bad. But you know, the Sharks should beat them at home. The Stars are a playoff team. You know, but uh, Sharks should beat them at home. 
Uh, then the Sharks go on the road. They play Chicago. Should beat them. They are terrible. They've won only one of their last 10 games. And they're going to go to Minnesota and play Minnesota. Minnesota's not been playing well. And I mean, talking about people who've got to be on the hot seat. I mean, how much longer can they go with Bruce Boudreaux there? Like, I, don't I mean, know. like how this that hasn't worked. Like it doesn't really work anywhere, actually. But <laughs> you know, uh, how much you love longer? to hate on Bruce Boudreaux. He, he's one of the worst playoff coaches in modern history. <laughs> he's terrible. Yeah. Like I mean, the guy seems like a nice guy. Hey, dude, the All-Star Game is coming. We haven't talked about this at all. No, we haven't talked about the All-Star Game. And I'm going to say this because my family does not listen to this podcast. Sweet. You you know what I got my girls for Christmas? Really got it for me. All-Star tickets? tickets? No, no, tickets to the Fan Fest, dude. We're going to the Fan Fest. Cool. I'm going to make them go with me. (laughs) (laughs) I got you a present. What? Yeah, no. I'm I'm saying that's what you say to them. I got you. You got me all star tickets, dude. Thank you, dude. No, no. Tell your wife I got you all star tickets. She's like, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, really well received. I'm sure. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. Thanks. Thanks, Hey, we're going. Everybody, we're we're going down there. It's only gonna be like ten thousand people crammed in the convention center. Go you. I have to look to see if we're I can tickets. I haven't even. Dude, haven't I'll even tell you what day we're going. Okay. And then you, you guys should meet. So us there. is it just is it just fan fest or is it like the skills competition? And all no, that no, it's not too? the game or anything at the arena. They're oh. doing like the fan fest at the convention center. So oh. what it's supposed to be is you know uh, meet and greet with uh, mascots and like uh, fun games and like a kids center and you know a bunch of memorabilia and the cup will probably be there and okay things like that things that i thought you know my daughter is six i thought that you know she's actually asked to go back to a game this year oh cool so i thought this might be something that she might enjoy doing that's geared for families right um you put a little toy sticker in her hands and then she hits other kids with it no yeah. no no don't do that yeah. you know that kind of stuff that's the goal sweet she can goon it up yeah goon it up at the fan fest yeah all right, dude. Well, uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to make it happen. We'll we, be back. We'll be back. We'll dude. be back next week, a little I, pre-Christmas episode. I think a lot of the the things that made our schedules complicated have melted away. That's right. In the winter snow. In the winter snow in California. So we will make it a point to be back next week to discuss how the Sharks are going to go 3-0 and this week. Dude, I'm calling it 3-0. and Perfect six points. The Sharks will go 3-0. and 3-0. and Go Sharks. Go Sharks. show want to get your questions on the air email questions at dudesonhockey.com dudes on hockey is not affiliated with the san jose sharks organization or the national hockey league